This very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore is brought to you by our generous listener supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you appreciate what we do and would like to join them, go to dollamore.com slash PayPal or dollamore.com slash Patreon. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, everybody, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us for what I believe is our 70th bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore, and I'm joined today by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, the reliant upon facts, data, research, and all of the important metrics that we should run our lives by, Brittany Page. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> I love being recognized in that way. Thank you. I wish someone would recognize me in that way. Instead, it's always, you know, that that bombastic asshole. Oh, yeah. We know Jesse. That's a, no, he's a good guy. No, 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 no. <laughs> People know that you appreciate those things as well. Um, I'm not as reliant upon them. Well, you get excited. Yeah. And you it, get a little hopped up sometimes. The things that affect me sometimes are anecdotal. Yeah. And, you know, I get emotional yeah, about pretty- them powerful stories that you have <laughs> powerful story um we took our show on the road today and i think i was gonna say it was the first time we've ever done this but it's not actually i think we've done it at least one other time yeah with the professor douglas navrick at uh, cal state fullerton okay then we've done it another time <laughs> because that was not what i was thinking of which um, other time when we were on vacation and we, oh yeah, <laughs> and we are terrible workaholics. That we took the podcast with us on vacation. Well, hang on now, let's not give credit where credit is not due. You are the one who really wanted to do the show on the road because I'm like, look, I think people understand we deserve a break sometimes. We can't crank out two and three episodes a week every single week. Yeah. And you don't like that. You think it's doing a disservice to the audience. That is correct. Which I'm sure they love. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes I like I don't want to start any riots. I like a little nap. Yeah. My concern is with the riots. I don't want any... (laughs) I don't want any I Doubt It with Dollamore listener riots happening. I don't think that's a possibility. I don't know. Don't want to risk it. So... I'm sure we're safe. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. we're going far afield here. Show again. on the road. Uh, yeah, show on the road. Uh, we took the show on the road mm-hmm. to the offices, the campaign offices of who will be, if everything works out well, our next congressman, Harley Ruda. Yes. Against who is now in a, in, in a battle, like a political battle in campaign against Dana Rohrbacher, who I have spoken about many times on this show dragging our local politics into the narrative of the program. Although it's very relevant to really the national scene because Dana Rohrbacher is called Putin's congressman. Yeah, he, he makes national news a lot. Right. He's been in office for a long time. There's signs all over the 48th district here in Orange County. Um, 30 years is too many or something. Way too many. Um, and it is. I don't know what the sign says exactly. I think that that's what it says. But 
Yeah, he's been here for a while. He has influence. Um, and well, let me say something about that. Can I say something about that? The the thirty year metric. One, I'm not for mandatory term limits because I believe we have term limits and they're called elections. And every two years in the House and every six years in the Senate, we get to choose who we want to vote for. That That is a term limit. However, you would think you'd get better at your job after 30 years. That the experience you would gain as a congressman, as an elected official, as a representative of a congressional district in California that you'd grow and learn and adapt, and he has not. He has gotten lazy and complacent and entitled to that job. And if anybody gets to that point in any job, you want to get him the hell out of there. Mm -hmm. If you have a train conductor right. who's just sitting back on his laurels and not paying attention to, to the work, mm -hmm. you need to get him the hell out of there. And Dane is not a good train conductor. Well, and even though you're talking about how it's it's just our district and we're kind of weaving it into the podcast, I think that there are still things that are relevant here, which is we live in a primarily Republican district. Yeah, sure. That the has, county in general. That has always been red. And Harley Ruda is a Democrat who won the primary 25 votes. <laughs> That's right? right. Yeah. And so it really speaks to the importance of getting out there, not giving up, not just saying, oh, I live in a red district or, oh, I live in a red state. I can't make a difference. Really trying to get out there and make that difference and make it actually happen instead of saying we can't do anything and yeah. throwing our hands up in the air. Yeah, for sure. So one thing I also wanted to say, uh, because we talk about it in the discussion with Harley Ruda, he was on an episode of Showtime's The Circus. That's Yeah. Well, by the way, good show. Yeah, it's a great show. If you're a political nerd, it's a weekly dose of excitement. Uh, yeah, behind the scenes, inner goings on. And, and they don't just get out here. We're doing a commercial for The Circus on Showtime. Um, but they don't even get behind the scenes with like liberal and Democrats. It is. These are people who they're getting like interviews with like Steve Bannon behind the curtain, mm -hmm. that kind of shit. So it's it's a solid show that you should check out if you're interested in this kind of stuff at all. Yeah. So when I reference that and don't give any detail, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> oh, the other thing, <laughs> the other thing here, we'll get to the interview. We'll just get to it. Um, the other thing is Harley such a nice guy. Yeah. That we had him record the bumper for the show. Yes. This is the third time we've had him on the show. Yes. We've seen we've been around him many times, but this is the third time we've had him on the show. And he's such a nice guy that he couldn't even let the joke sit <laughs> for even like ninety seconds. With the I never listened With to the, yeah, I he, doubt it was. I'm Harley Ruda, I'm yeah. running for Congress against whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I never listened to I Doubt It with Dollamore. Yeah. And then we started the show. I, I, I said, okay, well, let's do the interview, blah, blah. We met, and he immediately goes into, I, 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 really, I do listen to the show. Because uh, he's, he's such a nice guy, you yeah, know? Yeah, that's great. Anyway. So with all of that said, let's just get right into our interview with Harley Ruda. Harley Ruda, thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate it. I think this is your third time. I think so, Jesse. And, and listen, I was just kidding. I do love your show and I do listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, first, right off the bat, we want to say this, that today, probably for the audience, October 22nd is the last day to register to vote in California. Super important. 
not just to register yourself, but to, to knock on your neighbor's door and harass right. them, get right. everybody that you know to vote. Uh, I'm going to say a website here that is too long and difficult for someone to go to, but it's going to be in the show notes. It is www.sos.ca.gov slash elections slash voter hyphen registration. There Boy, has that rolls, to be a better way. <laughs> that rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> there, there, it will be in the show notes. We're going to be posting it all day long for, for the listeners in California. If you're not already list, uh, registered to vote, I mean, seriously, what the hell? Well, uh, what have you been doing over yes. the course of the last several months that I've been screaming and yelling and red face? I mean, I'm sweaty now because it's hot in the auspicious office space of the Ruta campaign, but uh, not because of that. Mm-hmm. So... How's it been? First time running for Congress. Right. And it's been a long journey. We've been campaigning about a year and a half now. And the amazing thing is, due to the tremendous volunteer support and the support of voters across the district, it looks like we've got a great chance to beat the 30-year incumbent. Solid. Um, What has the experience been as a first time running for Congress? I mean, political office, really, right? Right. Right. You're new all all over. What's been the most challenging part that you found or unexpected, maybe? I mean, put your own spin on the question, but it seems to me I, I, I get cajoled all the time. When are you running for office? The answer is never. But what has been the most surprising or challenging aspect of it? Well, I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, one is, you know, I, I, I talk about one, the, the, the big difference and the big similarity between running for office and uh, a business. You know, any business, you've got to have a good product or service. You've got to have a great organizational structure behind you, and you've got to be properly capitalized. The same is true in a political campaign. Uh, but the big difference is you could be the third best uh, law firm in a community and make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Here you're playing for a singular event. And if you win that singular event, then you get to play for another singular event in a short time period after that. The other thing that's been really interesting for me in this is that uh, I've my business experience is everything from startups to managing companies of up to 10,000 people. And this is like the ultimate startup. So in a matter of literally yeah, yeah. four months, you raise millions and millions and millions of dollars. You hire dozens of employees. You enter into contracts with new consultants. You manage 4,000 volunteers. And you spend every penny you raised by November 6th. That's wow. the ultimate startup. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like a lot. Um, what advice would you give to others who may be interested in running for political office, knowing the challenges that you've gone through, um, having this experience? What advice would you have to other people? I mean, it is, it's the ultimate level of activism, th- this. I mean, it's not canvassing. It's not, you know, getting your neighbors. This is, this is the ultimate activism. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my advice to them is please run. Your country mm-hmm. needs you. Your community needs you. So whether you're running for city council, school board, uh, or state assembly, whatever the case may be, get involved and run for office. We need to be engaged in the political process. And the more all of us are engaged, the better we will all be for it. Do, do you think you're better suited? How do I um, say this in a, in a way that new listeners to the show will not be turned off by? Uh, there is a new kind of... Uh, a different kind of bitterness and acrimony and um, strife in politics today. Do you have any, how have you been able to kind of navigate that? I mean, do you just turn it, do you have a, a fuse box that's just blown on that? You just don't pay attention to it? Or, 
or is there a strategy you've kind of employed? Well, actually, it's the reason I'm running. Uh, the reason I decided to run after the 2016 election was I was ticked off with both parties. I was uh, disappointed that it was party first, country second, the unwillingness to reach across the, uh, uh, the table, fight for what you believe in, but reach across the table and put community and country first. And uh, so for me, our, our tagline all along has been common sense for common ground. And I believe we need elected leaders at local, state, and federal government who are committed to doing just that. Speaking of the uh, elected leaders at local and, and federal uh, level, um, we, we are currently, uh, hopefully not for long, uh, represented by Dana Rohrbacher, who is, there's a seeming sense of entitlement and uh, kind of an, when I worked for the Senate, I, I talk about there were certain members of the Senate who clearly thought that they were a part of some aristocracy, that they, they, uh, they, they were entitled to that. John Warner from Virginia uh, Republican from, and, but there were also Democrats who, who acted like, Robert Byrd was a guy who acted like he was so great. Um, and I think Dana Rohrbacher is one of those guys. It was, yeah. it was evident, uh, the juxtaposition on the circus when you had the interview with Alex Wagner, uh, where Alex Wagner was interviewing you and then Mark McKinnon was interviewing Dana and he just seems like he feels like he is entitled to this because he's been there for so long. He's just like wandering off into the beach yeah. to, to look at seagulls or something. Yeah, like he doesn't need to answer questions, right? Yeah. yeah. So so I guess the question would be, as I ramble and ramble, Britain trying to get me back on track here, is um, I assume, I'm under the assumption, because you are an honorable stand-up decent guy, uh, are you going to, you're pledging to hold the town halls that have been absent over the course of the last two years, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, absolutely. We've been having town halls virtually every month since we started. We will continue that after we win because that is your obligation in representing the and voters and constituents and families to meet with them, understand their concerns, understand their issues, and fight like hell to uh, serve them because it's their taxpayer dollars that are funding your ability to serve. And and it can't emphasize enough the word serve. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it, I mean, we've, this is our third time sitting with you, and you definitely 100% strike me, and I have a, a very low threshold for bullshit. Um, you strike me as a guy that's going to gonna be a transparent representative, a leader of this, uh, of this community that is completely transparent. You're going to listen to criticisms. If I have something to say that's negative, you're going to hear me out. Right. So far, so good, but I'm a loudmouth jerky and uh you know you never know <laughs> and and i know that there's always going to be differences in opinion with every single voter i mean that's just yeah. pretty much standard operating procedure right but the key is making sure that you listen and to fight for the greater good and and there is so much we have in common as americans and unfortunately the political landscape right now is trying to find what separates us instead of what brings us together mm -hmm. and i think that's why we have so much partisan uh, bickering going on in, in, in the media and certainly in politics as well. Yeah, I think it is kind of hard to navigate those differences on issues like science, for example, where uh, you are obviously distinguished from Dana in that you believe in science. Um, and with this, it shouldn't be that high, hard a, a, a right. hurdle. It is kind of tragic, yes. Um, but with like the new climate change report and how serious this is at this point, um, to have people in office that are not data driven, that are not turning to experts in the field to get that information, it's really concerning. 
And so I think that's something that we both appreciate about you is that you do turn to the experts and scientists and believe in science. Well, absolutely. And climate change is a huge issue. But even for those climate change deniers who refuse to agree with 98% of the certified climate change scientists in the, in the world that this is real, this is a problem, and we can address it. Here's an idea. Let's just make our world a cleaner place. Mm-hmm. Let's just yeah. cut back pollution, period. Let's have healthier lifestyles. So if you can't get on board with climate change, can you at least get on board that you'd like to have your air and your water and everything else cleaner? Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a, a phrase we use on the show that it, it's a bummer, and it seems to apply more to Republicans, unfortunately, than it does Democrats in my mind. And that is that it's a sad thing when someone finds their empathy after they find their tragedy. So a lot of people are empathetic just because it's their nature. And some people, they don't become empathetic until that very thing touches them on their life. And on the climate change front, I would say, look, people may deny it here. Dana Rohrbacher may deny it here. Let's move into Miami and the effects that they're feeling right now where mm-hmm. they have to have pumps 24-7 running through their streets because the city is going underwater. It, it's, it may not be affecting us like it's affecting other communities in America and around the world, clearly, but it, it's very real and it's happening. Not, it's not like, a, oh, in 10 years, it's going to be terrible. It's terrible now. Right. Well, even here in this district, Balboa Island, which has this beautiful walkway around the island, Uh, They just recently added approximately a foot to the seawall. Well, they didn't add that because people were mistakenly falling over the wall into the bay. Uh, They added it because the challenges we have with climate change creating greater uh, and more fierce storms than we've seen in the past. And they felt felt a need to build the wall up to protect the citizens. Mm. Um, Speaking of the data-driven thing, Mm -hmm. um, there are several other issues that I think that you're going to be a great leader on. Um, gun policy, uh, for one, I mean, we've got Newtown and Parkland and Southern Springs and, and Orlando, Las Vegas. I mean, horrific historic events in this country. And that, that is certainly another, another policy point that needs to be data-driven. And there's an obstacle to that right now where they can't even have electronic records at the ATF. They have to have handwritten records that have a, that are that are sunsetted where you have to destroy them there's no there is no record keeping we can't the the, the CDC isn't allowed to do uh, studies longitudinal right. studies on gun violence I, I'm, right. I'm certain you're 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 on board with with those types of policy pronouncements well that's a challenge so we know that we have a gun violence epidemic in our country and in fact since 1968 there have been more deaths by guns in our country suicide and, and murder than all the deaths that have taken place on the battlefield since yeah. the Revolutionary War. I mean, let the listeners, let that stat sink in. We've managed to kill ourselves more since 1968 than, again, the defense of freedom since the Revo- Revolutionary War. So we know we got a problem. And we need to find, the, again, the common ground. And there is common ground around the country for the idea of background checks and waiting periods and, and banning or at least limiting the access to high-capacity magazines and uh, automatic rifles. Yet we have an extremist in Dana Rohrbacher yeah. who has actually gone on record as stating that the way to address gun violence in our schools is to train and arm students and give them loaded guns on premises. And this is just one of the most asinine ideas that's ever yeah. come out of the mouth of a politician. It's really terrifying. It is. Yeah. 
that people take that seriously, right? Yeah. Well, scary. he's, I mean, he's all, he's, he's past, I don't know that he really ever had a prime. I think that he may have been more earnest in his motives early on. I'm given that. Mm-hmm. But he is he is in it for himself now. Mm-hmm. I mean, to deny not only climate change, but that ridiculous thing that you just mentioned about putting guns in the hands of students right. to combat other students or other maniacs in general is just, it's beyond the pale. It's, it's sickening. It is, it is. And we know we've got a gun violence issue. And listen, we all support the Second Amendment. But the Second Amendment, uh, like all of the amendments and the constitution have limited rights as Antonio justice Antonio Scalia pointed out that you don't have the right to carry any gun anytime, anywhere you want Yeah, that we are allowed to have reasonable uh, limitations on uh, the second amendment as well as other amendments for the good of society. And uh, we have an opportunity across the country again, where we see majority support, even members of the NRA support the idea of universal background checks. So let's find that common ground and let's work to pass it let's not suggest that arming uh, training and arming students it should be the first step in addressing gun violence i mean i I chuckle but it's because it's 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 a horrific idea but it's also just it's laughable it's it is it's it's stupid are Uh, there other areas where you find that it might be likely to find common ground or other issues on which you might be able to find that common ground with Republicans in general, yeah. yes. Uh, Dana Rohrabacher, because of his extremist views, is certainly difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, but fortunately, I won't need to be working with him when I defeat him. So, yes. yes. trying to yes. work with moderate Republicans. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, but of course. Uh, but I think a, a great example is infrastructure. You know, mm. we've unfortunately had Infrastructure Week every week for fifty straight weeks under uh, Donald Trump, and, yeah. and nothing gets done. But there is tremendous bipartisan support for addressing our infrastructure issues. And and you know, roughly we spend about two and a half percent of our GDP on infrastructure. And that's about half of what the European uh, Union nations do, about a third of what China does. So that's why we have crumbling roads, bridges, transit systems, uh, uh, electrical grids, and so on and so on. And we need to get bipartisan support to address this issue. Even from a national security standpoint, the the infrastructure is important, especially where it relates to the the energy grid. Our electricity grid is at dire threat of hacking and being brought down, whether it be through an EMP detonation or, or whatever, you know, the electronic um, security threat, it's super, super serious. And when you also overlay the uh, implications of, of climate change on yeah. uh, how that can impact our infrastructure as well, it's going to become an increasingly important issue that we must address. Not just an inconvenience. It's a, right. it, it is a, a dire emergency for the country to address. Uh, since we're talking, I mean, obviously we're talking about Dana Rohrbacher. That's not like a, what? Is that what we're doing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've noticed this week um, that Donald Trump like reversed on pre-existing conditions mm-hmm. and there's been this trickle down of these this gaggle of sycophants yeah Dana Rohrbacher being one of them who's now proclaiming that oh yeah it's uh, crazy pre-existing conditions are great. we want to protect against those even the Wall Street Journal and Forbes called him out for his outlandish lies in this area and it just goes to show that after being 30 years in politics 30 years in office how corrupt he has become that he will do anything to get reelected and specifically he has voted 17 times 
to eliminate pre-existing conditions. And he had the audacity to do a commercial uh, with his family saying he will fight for Americans to protect pre-existing conditions when he's been on the taxpayer's payroll for 30 years and uh, under one of the best health care plans in the, in the world because he's an elected uh, official. It's, it's unfortunate, to and say it is, the least. Listen, what I, having uh, something I, I talk about being a Marine and then having worked on uh, for Jesse the Jesse was a Marine, yeah, everybody. Too, too much I talk about it. But, <laughs> but even as an employee of the Senate, it is a Cadillac, an awesome health care plan. And it is... So for him to walk around with that privilege yeah. while trying to take that privilege away from other people, or the right from other people. Yeah, especially yeah. The, the, the most needy, the, the poorest and the needy in our country who act who need that, and, and the middle class, who sometimes get the... They get the, the, the short end of stuff because they have just enough money to not be on public assistance, but not quite enough to really live the, the full free life that they should. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I want to move on, and I want to know a little bit about your thoughts about what's going on recently in the Senate with Mitch McConnell. And after they just passed this ridiculous tax scam, um, you know, upwards of $1.5 trillion deficits that were, or, you know, were running, and now they're going to try to, I guess, subsidy that by cutting Medicare, Medicaid, some entitlement programs. Um, am I to assume that you will vehemently oppose any effort in that regard? Absolutely. That was the Republican plan all along was to pass this tax scam plan, uh, which was basically a wealth transfer off the backs of uh, those who couldn't afford it, as well as future generations to the wealthiest of the wealthiest. And uh, and then to come back and try and make cuts in Social Security and Medicare. And we need to fight back. This is, it was a, a horrible tax plan to pass, and the repercussions on, on the uh, Social Security and Medicare, uh, we can't let that happen. I don't think I've ever seen something as transparent and brazen as the way this has gone down. I mean, maybe it's because I'm paying more attention to it, which seems kind of impossible because I'm such a nerd about this stuff. Yeah, I don't think that's it. I think it's taking the lead from the leader, right? Donald Trump, who just lies with impunity on a regular basis, um, just says complete falsehoods and they just follow along, right? They see that it works. They see he's not challenged. And, and the interesting thing is when you look at people who supported Trump, there are certainly those who are waking up and recognizing, wait, he's actually not working in my best interest. Absolutely. And, and that the tax cuts aren't real, that they're not really seeing significant difference in their paychecks. And here in California, with the SALT deductions being eliminated, many individuals are finding that the tax plan actually hurts them. Yeah. Add on top of that the potential reductions in Medicare and Social Security that hits especially seniors right in the pocketbook. Add on top of that the trade wars that he's doing and how that's impacting uh, their jobs and the businesses they work for. Right. Uh, it is clear that many are waking up and recognizing, no, he's he's he is the swamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need more of that. We need more people to wake up and realize that. So of... of- other than some, I guess, if, if these are some of the issues that you plan to, that's great. But are there other issues that you plan to really hit the ground running with when you get up there? Because it's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a rat race up there. It's not you go in there and you are royalty because you're going to be a freshman congressman. Right. Um, hopefully in a large class of new, dem- you know, hopefully this is a 1994 moment when Newt Gingrich was the speaker and that, you know, the contract with America. Hopefully this is something, it won't be of that magnitude, but hopefully... There'll be a, a, a class where you can caucus together and push some progressive ideas in through leadership. 
I hope so as well. And I, I hope that we, because of the partisan bickering we have seen, and we have literally keep seeing a bottom. We keep thinking we've reached the bottom, but then yeah. we see a new bottom like <laughs> we did sure. under the Kavanaugh <laughs> hearings. And I'm hopeful that if and when we are successful in taking back the House, that the Democratic leadership will work with the Republican leadership to find bipartisan opportunities to push legislation forward on behalf of all Americans. We can't continue to have uh, my way or the highway from either party. We've got to work together if we want long-lasting solutions to the issues facing our country. Yeah, yeah, I think that's one of the most important things to go in there with because it's so rare and we need more of it because that's how you find these solutions. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so going back kind of to that discussion of privilege, I guess, uh, we recently had an author on the show, Robert Frank, and he wrote a book about success and luck and the myth of meritocracy and kind of just the role that chance events play in our lives for both our successes and our failures. So are there some things that you can kind of point to in your life, just like lucky happenstances that brought you to where you are today? Kind of like a crossroads moment that if it wasn't for luck, yeah, I think uh, two things on that. One, uh, when I when I played football in high school, uh, when we ran through the locker room door to the field, uh, there was a saying that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Mm. And I do think there is truth to that. That if, sure. if you prepare uh, and and you are lucky enough to have the opportunity presented, then you can succeed. So I think that's uh, really important. Second, I, I I I've been very fortunate to be successful in business. But that success, I know, was because so many people gave me a chance, uh, gave me a hand up, gave me a pat on the back, gave me direction. And I do take exception with those who have had success and tend to think their success is all because of them. I think that's uh, unfortunate because no one gets to where they are without the support of lots of people along the way. And, and for that, I'm very grateful. So you mean be inheriting $413 million dollars? And then turn being born on a giant pile of money and then making it a slightly larger pile of money. You're not a self-made man. What? It's, how outrageous! Yes. You know, and, and, and frankly, you know, none of us are self-made. We were all made because others helped us along the way. Yeah. Yes. Even if it's just through the luck of now we're repeating from a previous episode, but even if it's through luck of just geography, where you were born, right. being an American and not being born in Calcutta or or you know some place that doesn't have the opportunity and the freedoms that we have. I think it's important to hear that perspective, though, especially from people who are successful um, and especially from people in power, right, to recognize that it isn't just all you and that there were these things that played a role because it incentivizes you to help other people have access to those things that can also help them get to where they need to be. Yeah. And then the other thing that I remembered this time to ask that usually I forget because I am a um, professional. Yeah. Super professional <laughs> uh, is we we like to talk about and encourage people to change their mind when the facts change or when new new information comes to them and it doesn't have to be something serious and heavy but if it is that's that's whatever that's perfect yeah great is what's the last thing you changed your mind about <laughs> that happens so many times every given day that it's uh, difficult to pick one i mean just think about you're running for office and so you have a strategy that you are trying to implement and react to all sorts of things that are going on, whether it is uh, your competitors advertising, uh, those that are supporting your competitor, those that uh, are volunteering for you and what they're hearing. So we have so many conversations where there's information coming in where we may lean one direction and go to the next. But let me give you something a little bit more 
um, meaningful as to a specific example. We love meaningful. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, uh, I, uh, my wife Karen and I. We've been married 28 years, and for uh, a really, really long time, we've always gotten together with uh, friends around election time to sit down with the ballots, have a ballot party, go through. Uh, and we never called it a ballot party, but it was just kind of sitting down with 12, 15, 20 people and talking about who's running and the issues. And it was about, uh, I think, maybe six, eight years ago, there was an issue on uh, uh, death penalty here in California. Mm. And, um, and, and it was an issue for me that I had not, I don't think I had a strong opinion one way or the other. I kind of felt like some people like serial killers or, you know, if it's a, such a heinous crime, uh, you know, death isn't, uh, that didn't seem to me to be that bad of an outcome. Sure, yeah. uh, to, and it seems intuitive in some cases. Right. Right. But I, you know, I sat next to a guy who was a Pulitzer prize winning journalist from Chicago who had done a story in Chicago on the number of people who yeah. were on death row and put to death where subsequently DNA proved that it was a mistake. Yeah. And 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 that's that's a mistake that's really uh, you, you you can't justify. It's you can't the ultimate apologize mistake. For. It is the ultimate mistake. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just that they were put to death, they also were incarcerated for a, obviously a significant period of their life yeah. after being falsely accused. Uh, so to me, that was a, a, a moment where I changed my opinion. And, and, and he even went further and said, plus, you know, if you get past how you emotionally feel about it one way or another, economically, the economics of keeping somebody in jail is cheaper than putting them to death because mm-hmm. of the process that goes behind it. Right. So for me, um, uh, you know, I'm against the death penalty. Um, and, uh, and that was the moment that made me become firm in that decision. That, that, that's a... Uh also a position I've done a shift on. Not recently. It's been, and it's been the more weight has been added to it because of the false, the false right. uh, um, convictions. Mm-hmm. For me, it's more of a, it's just too goddamn much power for the state to have over any, any one person. That's the ultimate power over somebody is whether you live or die. And the, that's the libertarian side of me that kind of peeks its head out. So I would agree with that too. Yeah, it's good. It's good. So, um, We'll wrap here, but I want to I want to thank you for running. It's kind of weird to thank somebody for being a decent person, but thanks for being a decent person. <laughs> thanks for running a, a solid campaign about the ideas. Um, I, I know it probably seemed like you were chasing Dana Rohrbacher around, trying to get him to respond and trying to get him to debate because there still has not been right. a debate in a congressional campaign. Right. It's just insane. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, Again, that entitlement. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, thanks for running a decent campaign in the face of running against a coward, I guess is what. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, and you know, they're most, most of the uh, most Americans are decent people. And and the supporters for our campaign have been wonderful. We just need to keep knocking on doors and working hard and uh, and, and fighting for common ground. And if we do that, our country will be in a much better place. I think that you're going to fare well, even with Republican voters in this district, because of the fact that people, I don't think we see the kind of divides that that maybe are generally ascribed to the country here. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that cross the aisle because they, they see, they expect leadership from right. their, their member of Congress and they're just, they know they're not getting it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Good. Well, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. It's been good, as always. And uh, again, 
Go check out the show notes. Go register to vote here in California. And then when you go to the polls on yes. November 6th, yes. vote for the the decent yes. and genuine Harley Ruda. Believer in science. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and the shameless plug, go to harleyforcongress.com. Sign up, volunteer, give money. Because what we want to make sure more than anything is that we do not wake up on the morning uh, of November 7th and wish we had done more. It is. Sir, sir, and then we're going to wrap for sure. But That th- line just stressed me out. Th- so yes. Yeah, <laughs> thank, it, it brought, we can't wake up. No. It's like <laughs> you're re-traumatizing yeah. Harley. It's, imagine what you went through if you live in the 48th district right. when you woke up and Donald Trump had won the, the election. Right. Then couple that with, stack on top of that how you felt when Kavanaugh was not was confirmed. Right. These are These are, these are, community traumas and it'll be just another one so it is important to get your neighbors to get everybody you know who lives within the district to to vote so for sure thanks guys thank you appreciate it so like we talked about this was the third time we've had harley on the show and when we first had him on the show he was still running for his spot. I think it was very early on. Yeah, the top spot among the Democrats. And um, there were like eight other candidates. <laughs> it was like the 2016 presidential election slate. It was a lot of people. Yeah, so we first met him then. And I would say that <laughs> normally a first-time candidate is going to become more seasoned as they become uh, more familiar with campaigning. But yeah. he was pretty much always... The way that he is now. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he's um, a great speaker. He is thoughtful. He is ready to go on his feet, thinking fast on his feet, um, and just a super nice, relatable guy. Yeah, genuine. Very genuine. When I think of Harley Ruda, and listen, let me, let me say this: I've spent a lot of time around politicians, a lot of years and years and years. I have been on congressional campaigns. I have been on Senate campaigns. I've been paid staff. I know what politicians are like, and I know when I see genuine and when I see bullshit. And Harley Ruda is the real deal. Harley's a solid guy who's a genuine cat who cares about this district and the country. So if you live in the 48th, I mean, you don't have to trust me, mm-hmm. but I'm trustworthy and I shoot it straight. And if I wasn't behind this guy and I didn't believe in this guy, we wouldn't be goddamn having him on. Yeah. So go to harleyforcongress.com and make sure that you get involved. We are in crunch time here, everybody. Yeah. It's almost here, midterms. Final very, two weeks. Very exciting time, but also a very stressful time. And one of the things that stood out to me, Jesse, in the interview was when you said, remember how you felt the day after Donald Trump was elected? Yeah. Remember how you felt the day after Kavanaugh was confirmed? I think that it's easy to forget about how devastating those moments were. And in order to continue to feel motivated, it is important to reflect on that. We can't let it get away. We can't repress it, you know, repress the memory. You want to forget about that. Right. But it needs to remain present because it's a form of motivation to continue the fight and continue to get out there and really make a difference. Yeah, I'm... It's important. It really is. Yeah. Anyway, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Listen, uh, as you know, or those of you who may be just joining us, we are a listener-supported podcast. We we do two to three episodes per week. 
news and comment style, kind of an, you know, talk radio style. We interact with listeners through voicemail and email. We care about moving the conversation forward and, you know, having a good time along the way. Yes. But we are listener supported. If you're interested in joining our Patreon family, go to dollamore.com slash Patreon. Mm-hmm. And come on board. A dollar a month, two bucks a month, five bucks a month, whatever. Every little bit goes a long way. We say it all the time, and it doesn't get any more true. It is, it is a, a critical element to supporting us do this. We love you guys. Everybody who's already in, it, you guys are beautiful. We love you. Your loyalty, your listenership, it is awesome. And with that, do you have anything else, Brittany Page? I do not. All right. We'll see you next time. Brittany Page. I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It.